With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And as usual, I'm joined by, well, you know him as Austin, Austin Ward, but I call him Awesome Ward. Awesome Ward, welcome back into the Tim May Podcast, right-hand seat in the cockpit. Thanks for having me back, Tim. Uh, what a fantastic weekend it was going to be back in the horseshoe and breaking down some football with you and Spencer and Berm. And um, man, uh, we learned some things, uh, left some things up in the air heading into summer, but good to see something close to resembling football and fans back in there and to be next to you guys talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes. Well, the hell with that, man. I want you to comment about my opening because last week, you know, you're coming, you know, I'll call you Awesome Ward, but I don't introduce you in that in that sense, you know, of uh, giving people an idea of what it means to be called awesome. And, uh, you know, I always kind of go into this monotone when I lead into you. But today I was bound to determine to hit both the low and the high notes, kind of like an opera. How did I do? Well, I don't, you know, I don't like to make evaluations in process. There's a long show to go. I consider the first two minutes of the show and the last 58 minutes all part of one show. We'll evaluate it when we get to the finish line. Yeah, I got a lot of reps. Is what he's saying. I got to put in a lot of reps before you finally declare me, yes, the guy, right? Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Hey, listen, uh, you know, before you and I chop it up, and we're going to chop it up, man, we're going to be like chefs. I remember watching uh, Chef Bobby Flay, you know, beat Bobby Flay or whatever that show is called. And the other day he was going so fast he cut one of his fingers. You know, that's probably what we're going to do on this episode as we talk about the quarterbacks. Before we get into that, I wanted to go ahead and go straight to my guest for this week. A guy that was in the room the last two years and definitely in the room last year with two of the combatants, uh, C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller III, uh, who are going for that starting quarterback job along with freshman Cal McCord at Ohio State. Uh, Gunnar Hoke, as you remember, you know, uh, after Justin Fields transferred to Ohio State, then Gunnar Hoke did too, you know, from Kentucky. And uh, originally, uh, you know, a Dublin native and stuff. And I get into it, you know, what were you thinking? You know, I'll get into that aspect of it. But, you know, these guys, they're competitors, number one. Number two, they they all want to play quarterback for Ohio State. And if you look at the record books the last uh, 10 years, you see why somebody wants to play in this offense because they're going to be in the record book somewhere, some form or fashion, they're going to carve their niche. But, uh, you know, he has some interesting insight into this quarterback battle that we're, we're we've, that we've been watching now really – well, going back to September, really, when you know when it really got going, but uh, the last couple of months, and then of course through spring, we didn't get to see a lot of it, but we got to saw the the final exam of spring semester for the Ohio State football team, and uh, I think you and I both agreed after the game was over, if you had to put these guys in order, just on what you saw that day, it would have been C.J. Stroud, uh, uh, Cal McCord, and then uh, uh, Jack Miller. Uh, you still stick with that, right? Yeah, and I think that. You know, all three of them could probably take something out of Saturday that they feel good about. But the guy who was in most command from start to finish in spring was C.J. Stroud. And the one that, you know, the throw I kept thinking about and that I wrote about on Sunday, Tim, was just that that play that Ohio State's used. Justin Fields uh, made it famous in a couple key situations for Ohio State. 
rolling to the right, get Chris Olave uh, isolated in one-on-one coverage, and then hit that. That that throw is not as easy as these guys make it look, I think, nope. or, or Justin Fields did. C.J. Stroud rolls to his right, hits that ball out towards the band, boundary. Chris Olave gets his feet down like he always seems to do, gets a touchdown. That's the one because it's just a concept that we see from Ohio State all the time. You know that Ryan Day wants his quarterback to be able to execute that play. Doesn't mean that Jack Miller or Kyle McCord couldn't have made those. In fact, Kyle McCord as well made a couple, at least one key throw uh, on the move and had that really nice, you know, ball that was dropped in the bucket over coverage uh, to Jackson Smith and Jigba, which was, you know, a great catch on the other end of it. All those guys are talented. I want to make that point. I've said that to you before. uh, And and Saturday doesn't, you know, change that. It just, the guy that was in the lead had a really good day. And McCord was better than I thought he would be for a true freshman. Um, but your pecking order, yes, I do agree with you. That would be one, two, three. Well, you know, I've already got tears in my eyes because you've already started chopping that onion up, and I said we were going to chop <laughs> it up after. I, you know after, I can't help it. After I said, I know exactly. And I, I, I'm i in agreement with you, you know, in our rapid reaction. That's the play I brought up as, you know, yeah. these other guys, everybody's talented. But, man, that told me – that was the play that told me, yes, this guy's got the goods. Looks like he's almost got a baseball background the way he threw the ball. I hope it doesn't go against him. Oh no! We're oh, gonna get no. into that a little bit too, man. What a jo- I mean, what a joke this last month has been in the evaluation. I've got that in quote marks for you, those of you let me listen to a platform other than YouTube uh, to this podcast. But what a joke the last month has been on the evaluation process of <sighs> Justin Fields, the fellow these fellows are trying to replace at Ohio State. We're gonna get into that. Bite your tongue, and I know that was. You know, you may not be able to talk your biting it so hard right now. Uh, but first, let's get into my conversation with Gunnar Hope. Yeah, I think you agree. One of the one of the great young fellows we've met at Ohio State, right? I mean, just a polite, really sharp guy. Yeah. Sharp guy. Uh, you know, you're going to be, folks, you're going to be interested in what he has to say in a lot of in a lot of regards in regards to the quarterback battles at Ohio State. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, Gunnar Hope, uh, former Ohio State quarterback, former Kentucky quarterback. Former high school quarterback from Dublin. What what high school in Dublin, Gunner? I always forget. Went to Kaufman. There you go. Went to the original Dublin high school, Kaufman, right? Is that is that what is that the best way of putting it? Yes, sir. Yeah. Kaufman Pride, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, Gunner, I couldn't think of anybody more suitable to come on the Tim May podcast this week, days after we watched the Ohio State spring game. And I don't even care whether you watched the spring game or not. You know a couple of the guys who were in combat there for the uh starting job at Ohio State. You were on the team with them last year uh, as Justin Fields uh, was the starter and stuff. And I just wanted to get your insight on a few things about it. And number one, do you have a favorite? Uh, do you have a favorite in this horse race? Do you do you have a, a name that you think is going to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State in 2021? You know what? Honestly, I don't know if I necessarily have a favorite. I think both of the Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud them being there last year, they're going to have a better understanding, obviously, of what the playbook is. But obviously, uh, Kyle McCord came in yesterday. He came in hot. He really had a great day yesterday. And honestly, I think all three of those guys came out and showed what they can do each in their own ways. So I think it's it's still going to be a competition leading all the way into fall camp. So honestly, everyone's looking forward to see what happens. But I guess we will see what happens. So see all of us in the media, we want to, we want to have a hot take that uh, CJ Stroud's the guy and Hey, maybe Cal McCord passed Jack Miller. Uh, but of course that was just the 15th practice of 15 spring practices that we saw 
on Saturday and stuff. And you understand the process probably better than anybody, but what, you know, what are the coaches right now? What are Ryan Day and Corey Dennis and Kevin Wilson and that group? What, what are they talking about? Do you think when it comes to those quarterbacks and what they saw through the spring, but especially in that spring game? Yeah. You know what? I think going through spring, it's really about having one of those guys step up as a leader is what's most important. Who's going to come in, through summer workouts and then lead into fall camp as everyone who's going to look at him as the guy who's going to be the quarterback at Ohio state. So that's where I think the coaches are pushing more, more even than learning the offense in the spring. It's who's going to come out and be the leader of the number one team in the country. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If yesterday was a tryout, I think you got to watch some of the game or a lot of the game. At least you know about Cal McCord's play. Uh, if yesterday was a tryout and you were a quarterback coach, which you could be one of these days, who knows, right? Uh Maybe. Who would be your starting quarterback tomorrow? Um, I'm not too sure. I, I mean, obviously, seeing the spring game, I, I really did like Kyle McCord, but I, I'm not too sure of how, how in-depth of the playbook he is. I know, obviously, they keep it simple for the spring game just so they don't show anything off. Yeah. So I'm anxious to see as they get more in-depth if he can end up comprehending it all. I know Jack uh, Miller and C.J. Stroud are both – ahead in that area so I'm anxious to see if he can maybe catch up who knows he might already even be there yeah but honestly so I, I honestly I can't say anyone I don't want to choose anyone because I don't I don't think there is a guy yet even in the, in the coach's mind well let me ask you this though I mean uh what what just stood out to you about Kyle McCord and the way he handled things I mean here's here I'll give you my take real quick I really liked him for example on a couple of passes where he had backs out of the backfield, hit him on a dead stride and dead run. I mean, just kind of real – that's a real poised throw if you follow my drift. I thought he threw had – a, had a few other passes or just showed a lot of poise for a guy who was in high school, you know, what, uh, four months ago and stuff. But uh, that's just throwing the ball. But what, what stood out to you about what impressed you about him, I guess? No, I definitely agree with what you said. Him being able to stay in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, and he has that strong arm, just so everyone knows, everyone says, he can definitely stand in there and deliver the ball to open guys. So that's one of his ups. Yeah. Uh, you're in the room, too. I mean, how do, you, how do you have a situation where you don't have a leader? I mean, do, do people always – in that, in that meeting room with Corey Dennis and uh, Ryan Day and stuff, uh, or, you know, Corey, do, do y'all sit in a certain order based on what, what your pecking order is? How does that work? No, we would always come in, sit wherever we wanted. I mean, that, that room is a group. We're all there. We were all there to support one another, no matter who the guy was. I mean, that's what your mindset as a quarterback has to be. Obviously, there's only going to be one guy that goes out and plays, and you have yeah. to be able to be there and support them and want to be able to win for the team. It can't be, a, it can't be about yourself. Yeah. When you transferred in from uh, Kentucky, uh, it was the same year Justin Fields uh, transferred in, if I'm not, correct, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. You know, you know the old saying, we ask you this, well, I'll ask you, you know, what were you thinking? No, I'm just messing. But, <laughs> I mean, uh you know, as you look back on that, was that like you just wanted to get home? I mean, what 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 was going through your mind at that point? Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit wanted to come home, wanted to play for Ohio State. I mean, I got the tradition with my family uh, playing here, coaching here, and stuff like that. But I mean, there was still that opportunity. I mean, who knows? Could have came in and ha I had that competition with Justin, and obviously that didn't work out. But I mean, still. Uh, Amazing choice that I made. Uh, just ended up getting my master's from Ohio State. So 
it all worked out in the end, I, I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I agree with you 100%. I just wanted to get your take on it. I mean, your dad, Frank Hoke, was a tight end at Ohio State way back when. Uh, you guys are, are akin to the Puggage family. I want to give people a background who don't quite understand uh, what we're talking about there. But, you know, uh, Coach Day told us all the way through the summer that that was still a competition going on for starting quarterback that, that, that year. Did you feel it was a competition too? Did you feel you were in the running solidly for the starting job at Ohio State? I definitely think when I first got there, we definitely were splitting reps, going through all the fall camp and stuff like that, doing the competition, I guess. And, I mean, obviously he came out as a starter, and he definitely deserved that opportunity. He balled out both the years. Can't complain about that. I mean, that's yeah. that's the kind of mentality that I've always had was he's the guy and got to support him, and obviously I want to win too. So Yeah. But uh, well, that's what I'm getting to is, you know, people who right now are poo-pooing, oh, there's no way – uh, there's no way that uh, there's no way that Ryan Day hasn't decided who the starter is at this point. That's in your mind. That's that's accurate that he says that, right? I mean, I'm, I don't want to put those words in your mouth, but do you feel that's accurate? Yeah, I definitely think that's accurate. Like I said, I mean, they're probably still looking to see who can become that leader. Obviously, everyone in that room is still a young guy. the The two of them have been there for only only a year, year and a half. So. Yeah, they're young, they're young kids still. I mean, they're looking for someone who can lead a team into the national championship, and that's how it is at Ohio State. I was going to say, you know, Cal McCord played more football last year than C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller did when you think about it, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and obviously, he's pretty good. Of course, he also brought along a wide receiver named Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, my goodness, Gunner. I'm watching that game, and I'm just going, this guy's ready to play at Ohio State. Amika Egbuka, Amika Egbuka is ready to play at Ohio State. You know, uh, you know, you were around when Julian Fleming showed up in that group too. Uh, what's going on with, with just football in general, but, you know, wide receivers in particular, uh, where, why are they so far ahead than they were, you know, 20 years ago? Yeah. I definitely think Ohio State get, gets the, uh, the top-notch receivers every year. It's unbelievable being able, being able, I can't talk, being able to come in here at Ohio State and being able to see that receiver talent, how much different it was, and it's it's crazy what they do, how they recruit those guys. I mean, if not, they are wide receiver U, I believe. They got talent all around. It's just a matter if you can get them the ball. So Yeah. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., for example, you know, uh, what impressed you about him as you watched him play? I mean, he seemed to run pretty sharp routes. Uh, he seemed to he has that innate ability to come back for the ball, in my opinion. I'm just giving you my take on it. But also, he and Egbuka catch the ball with their hands, you know, I mean, out here and stuff. Uh, that, that just shows you some polish, right? I mean, what, what, what's your take on that? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it on the head. I, they're, they're young guys, and they already know how to do all that stuff to be great. So coming into Ohio State and being with Heartline, I mean, it's only going to make them better. So anxious to see where those guys go. And along with uh, Garrett Wilson and another year, Chris Olave, I mean, it could be unbelievable. Yeah, I was going to say, man, there were a couple of – couple of three or four passes yesterday. We're just sitting here talking about the quarterbacks in the competition, but the, the wide receivers made them look good on several plays, including Chris Olave jumping over a guy on the first big deep pass. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, beating Cam Martinez. The ball just kind of dropped. Cam Martinez was right there. But, you know, you saw if you watched it, if you're watching uh, Coach Day kind of – he didn't ream him out, but he just told, uh, you know, uh, Kyle McCord, hey, you know, throw the ball over this shelf back over here. You remember it. You've been through that. Yeah. You've had those conversations. Yeah. So it wasn't exactly like these guys were perfect, but when you've got great receivers, wow, right? 
Exactly. It makes it that much easier as a quarterback. Definitely been in that situation where you want those guys out there. I mean, they make you look good as a quarterback. Uh, what do you, what's your take on Ryan Day as the court, as a, you know, obviously Corey Dennis is the position coach. Ryan Day was a position coach there until he named, was named head coach. What is it that's special about him in your mind that, uh, that people should keep in mind? I'm talking about Ryan Day uh, and quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, I think he's unbelievable. He, he knows the game to a crazy extent. Uh, it's crazy. I came in, learned a ton more than what I learned at Kentucky. It's, I mean, thinking I knew a bunch of stuff already, and here I am. I learned learned way more just from him uh, being with the quarterbacks every day and the head coach, obviously. I mean, he knows the game of football really well in, in every aspect. Yeah. Give people an example. You know, nobody, most people don't get to sit in one of those rooms. 99.9998%. I threw it eight percent in there. Uh, don't get to do that. What? What? Uh, or get in sit in meetings with, with a guy like that. What? What? Give me some enlightenment that he gave that he had for you in terms of playing the position. Maybe it's reads how you go through reads. Maybe it's uh, composure at the line. Maybe it's leadership, exuding yourself, speaking up. Thing. I mean, just give me give people an example of some things that you learned under him that stick with you. Yeah, I mean, every every day would be something different all the way down to just learning like a different coverage on defense or learning why a certain player would line up in like on defense. I mean, all the way down to a T he would break it down for the quarterbacks and you'd learn something new every single day. And that's what's something that's really important with him. Obviously it's going to show with these young guys as well, how much they can learn here in the next few months going into the next season. So it's, it's going to be great to see what happens. Hey, give, give, give people an inside track here too on something college when it comes to college defenses, how much do you see? I mean, you know, because you studied film, you played quite a bit. How much do you can you pick up before a snap about what's about to happen on the other side of the ball, as opposed to the NFL has a really good way of waiting to the last second to reveal things? But what is it to give us people a, a little insight in that regard? That you know, if you're if you're really paying attention in meetings, on videos, et cetera, stuff you could pick up. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You got to see what uh, the coaches always say. You got to see where the safeties are to start. They will tell you everything you need to know on defense, pre-snap, during the play. So if you know where those guys are, you know what coverage they're going to be in. You most likely know where the blitz is going to come from. So that would be the first priority you need to come to on the line as a quarterback. So the safety is sort of the bookmark in the book about what's what what's about what chapter they're on, right? I mean, about what they're Correct. about what they're about to show. Uh, uh, I don't know. As you sit here right now, is it amazing how much you know about football than you did eight years ago? You know what I mean? How much you've you've been around a couple of major programs, et cetera. And to, just uh, do you feel like almost like a, you know, a, I don't know, a football expert? Well, what, how would you explain that feeling to people? That, yeah. A guy who's played quarterback, you know? It, it's crazy. I, I would sit in the meeting rooms, even with other quarterbacks at Kentucky and at Ohio State, and we'd always say, like, wow, if I knew this stuff in high school, I'd throw for 10,000 yards in a season. I mean, it's unbelievable how much you learn at the next level, being able to watch more film, watch, like, breakdown defenses every week going into a game. It's crazy what you can learn at the next level. Okay, uh, last couple of questions for you about that, about Ohio State. Uh, who's a guy on that team that you've been around for a couple, three years? Uh, that you think could blossom really big time this season? I mean, I know it's kind of hitting you from the left field there, but uh, it could be offense or defense. I don't care. But uh, a guy that you think is about ready to emerge. 
Yeah, I think um, off the top of my head, I think Jamison Williams will have a, a great season this year. He's He's wow. been young. He stepped up a little bit last year. And I think this might be a year where he comes out of nowhere and just it breaks out. Obviously, with the other receivers out there, too, that's going to help him even more. So I'm anxious to see where, where that whole group goes, actually. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that, wow. Who do you play? Why do you play them? Where do you yeah. play them, et cetera? How tough was last year from a, from the COVID-19 challenge, et cetera, and onward? You know, maybe y'all practice one or two times a week. Sometimes you didn't, I think, maybe, you know, but you could fill in the blanks. But how tough was last year? What were the biggest challenges you guys faced as you went through that season? You know, forget about the games, the practices, et cetera. How tough was it? It was tough. There were, there were times where we had to follow protocols that nobody – really understood because we were around each other every day so we're like what are we doing you know it's crazy the guys didn't understand the coaches didn't want to do it but you have to do that type of thing because we all wanted to be there we all wanted to play football so we did what we had to do and ended up getting as many games in as we could so how many times did you have a swab stuck up your nose was it oh my god was it every day i think i did the actual pcr the one that goes like all the way back um like over 30 times wow. last season. So wow. We, we had to do like the the self-test. That one wasn't as bad every day, though. So Yeah, but 30 times, that's a lot of times for the base yeah. of your brain to be touched, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yep. Hey, the, the funny thing was, and your mom made a big deal about it on Twitter, and I don't blame her. Here you are taking this test almost literally once a week, twice a week sometimes, and yeah, you got picked out of the student body to also get I, tested, right? Even though all I your did. classes – all your classes were Zoom classes last year, weren't they? Or? Yeah, all my classes were online in my uh, in my <laughs> master's degree. So I wasn't even on campus that much, honestly. <laughs> Ended up getting picked after I've been tested every day for football. So Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I don't you should have had your own picket, you know, and uh, picketed that one. But uh, but you know, who knows? Uh, people that had a bad taste in their mouth about you. No, I'm just messing with you. Uh, uh, as you look back on that, like I asked Josh Myers, you know, like couple weeks after the season was over, did it seem like it went like – it seemed like it was going to take forever, but then did it seem like it went like that? I mean, you know, as you look back on it now, wow, you went through this blur, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, playing playing eight-game season, we didn't even play all eight. I mean, that is a short period of time. Two months, really, if you think about it. It goes by fast. I'm trying to remember, did you – you missed the championship game or the – which game did you you got? Yeah, COVID? I up, yeah, I ended up missing the Big Ten game. That's when yeah. I uh, ended up coming down with COVID. Yeah, had had no symptoms at all. Just crazy. I lucked out on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It is crazy. All that testing, and all of a sudden you do get it. You know, luckily for me, I've had my both of my shots now. I'm 67 years old. Have you, have you gotten yours yet? I have not gotten yet. No. Uh, okay. Well, it ain't, it ain't that bad, man. But uh, hey, last couple of things. So you you you're uh you got your graduate degree in what? I got my undergrad at Kentucky in uh, agricultural economics, and I just did my master's in sports coaching that I finished up. So, so what's on your agenda? Are you trying? Are you trying to play football a little bit more, or have you moved on from that? What, what's your what's your uh, what's your plan? I guess. Um, haven't decided about a football thing yet. I'm I'm working now. I got a, a job at a place called Locust Logistics, um, like a freight forwarding company. Yeah. It's been an interesting role, uh, just getting out into the nine-to-five life for the first time. So I'm enjoying it, I guess, for now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, but but it is interesting to go to work every day, right? I mean, uh, so yeah. to speak, for a living. But is it yeah. interesting? Is it an interesting uh, 
what you're doing is it interesting yeah it's definitely interesting i'm working with a uh with rydell the helmet company and they yeah. will uh one of my customers so obviously a big football guy here i'm trying to still stay in the game i guess i was gonna say tough borland's dad's with rydell isn't he or um, no what uh forgot what company is he with rydell i'm not too sure I yeah he might i think he is but he's with one of those helmet companies hey last question do you feel like do you feel like you got you know the fair shot at ohio state i mean here's i had uh, joe germain on my podcast last week here's a guy that shared he, he didn't really share starting duties he got to play every week uh, for two years in a row, 96, 97. Then he became the starter in 98. But, you know, there always comes that moment in time where somebody – and now he's a head coach, a high school head coach. So now he tells the guy, you're starting and you're not, you know, or you're starting in your second team. Do you, do you, do you feel like you got a fair shot, you know, the two places you were? Uh, and do you look back on your college football career – how do you look back on your college football career fondly, et cetera? I mean, well, how would you describe it? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think I got a fair shot. I'm, I'm the kind of guy who, who always thinks like, damn, I could have done better in this. I mean, obviously I'm the person who gives my best effort and everything. Yeah. And so I definitely gave everything I got and I think everything happens for a reason. So, and the second question really my college career. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It was great. All the experiences I made at Kentucky going to all the sec schools, getting to play there yeah. and then coming to Ohio state. Damn. I mean, it's, it's crazy going to a national championship game and obviously getting a free education along with it, undergrad master's degree. I mean, you can't beat that. Yeah. Hey, last year, for example, though, did, did coach day tell you straight up, Hey, we're going to try to play these two young guys. I mean, what was the, what was sort of the, what were you told, I guess, as you went into the year? You know, because you would – you'd seem like with Justin Fields, you'd been the backup the year before. That would have been, you know – I don't know. What, what, how, how was that handled, I guess, by the staff? Um, I don't know. I don't want to put words in their mouth, but to my perspective, it was just because we didn't have that spring due to COVID. Yeah. And obviously, they were left with limited amount of reps, and they knew that I was not going to be there the following year. So obviously they need to develop somebody because they need to keep their team going. So, yeah, I mean, that's where I think it came from. Yeah, it's funny because I talk to players all the time. They hardly are ever they hardly ever get told any much more than we in the media do about things. You know, was that is that pretty accurate in your deal? I mean, did anybody just straight up to your face tell you what their plan was or did you just kind of figure it out? That's kind of one of the things that we always joke about as players that we would say was we never really knew the schedule or anything. We'd always get a text the night before saying, oh, we got workouts tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. You know, you got to yeah. be there. If you're late, it's your fault. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. yeah. That's always one of the things we would joke about. But, I mean, obviously all the coaches, they did a great job at Ohio State, and they will continue to uh, do an unbelievable job. I got you. Hey, Gunner, man, I appreciate you joining me, man. Uh, you know, uh, you don't remember this, but I do. I, I got introduced to you. Your dad was in. Uh, your dad was in the Anderson with you and your brother. I think it's your little brother. Uh, he is your younger brother, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, and he, we saw each other. The old Anderson store is not even there anymore. <laughs> but uh, and he introduced me to you and your brother, and he told me you're going to be damn good one of these days. He said you're already damn good and stuff. And uh, you know, you you can be damn good, but you still don't get to play as much as somebody who might be slightly better, right? That's sports, right? Yeah, that's that's definitely sports. Like I've said, I mean, as a quarterback, it's completely different. I think too, you got to have the mindset of you might not be that guy. You got to be there to support your team. I mean, there's only one quarterback on the field, so yeah, that's 
kind of mentality you got to have. You got to get yourself better and work to improve your game to be that guy. Well, let me tell you one thing before we go. If I was ever a head, if I was ever a coach, and I had two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks to play, I would want them to play some. I, I mean, I would want to see it if you follow my drift on the field because you know you can play three middle linebackers, you can play three wide receivers. You know, I don't never have quite understood why you can't play three quarterbacks at least early, figure it out, and then go from there. And uh, who knows, we may see that this fall. But uh, you know, how do you know until you're in real playing real? real competition, who that guy is that can lead you down the field consistently for touchdowns. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things my dad would always say was playing quarterback in college football, it's 90% confidence and 10% confidence. It would be if you're going to be out there and you're getting confidence fed to you, you're going to be the guy who steps up and continues to ball out. So yeah, it's, it's just going out there and getting in a groove and being able to stay in that groove and make plays. So, yeah. Well, that's where they're going to handle it this fall too. It looks like, I mean, yep, somebody's got to step up and take the job. Hey, uh, Gunnar Hoke, but I'm glad I got you, man. I really enjoyed this uh, conversation. I hope you did too, but uh, best wishes down the road. And we may hook up some more, man, if you don't mind, because you know, you can analyze this like few other people. You've been in the rooms with these guys, and uh, you know what's what's coming down the pike for these guys, right? Yeah, I would definitely love to uh, come on a little bit more. I definitely appreciate being on here. All right. Looking well, I'll try to – maybe I'll show up at your 9 to 5 one of these days, and uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll just show you behind the scenes. <laughs> you know, yeah. playing, playing video games on your computer. No, I'm just joking, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Gunnar Hoke. Thanks a lot, Gunnar. All right, thank you. Like I said, uh, awesome. Uh, Gunnar Hoke's one of those gentlemen we've run into at Ohio State that was a joy to cover. I don't know if you can say we covered him because very little access we get anymore, but the little bit you were around him, you enjoyed it. Here's a guy that whose dream was to play college quarterback somewhere, went to Kentucky, ended up back at Ohio State, transferred in, thought he was in the running for the job when Justin Fields, you know, transferred to Ohio State the same year. Uh, you know, like I said, what were you thinking <laughs> as I interviewed him? But, but, the, but you know, he does, of course, when you're in the middle of it, you don't look at it that way. You look at it as you've got as much of a chance as the other guy. And that's what he was talking about, as you heard. Uh, he really believes Ohio State. Ryan Day is not lying. Ryan Day is coming out of the spring believing all three of these guys are, in, are still in the running. He might have a pecking order. And surprisingly, he talked about Cal McCord maybe – being the guy who was the most impressive to him in that spring game the other day, or at least as impressive as the other two guys, which is interesting considering how, how, uh, how few days he's even been on campus. But uh, now there's a guy who's been in that, uh, that kind of battle, uh, giving us a little bit of insight. And it was interesting, right? Yeah. And he's been a part of it, you know, quarterback battles and quarterback controversies, maybe more for what he did at his first stop. Um, so, he, you know, he's yeah. seen how different coaches handle this. You know, the way it works, he's been having, you know, had to go through multiple, you know, competitions and multiple quarterback coaches and offenses. So he's got a great perspective on this. It's been, you know, the last couple of weeks, whether that's, uh, you know, Jermaine or Zwick or Oak, uh, there's a bunch of guys around here who've got that firsthand experience. Cardale, you know, these firsthand experience to talk about what it's like, which is really, you know, fascinating because that quarterback fraternity, however long you're in it at Ohio State, it's just there's so much pressure. There's so much attention. There's so much scrutiny, even if it's for the backup job or, you know, just trying to keep a scholarship. Um, those guys who've been through it have unique perspective. They're, they tend to all be 
very bright and have able to describe, you know, the challenges that go along with that. Um, I mean, Herb Street might be the most famous example of that, but yeah. this has gone on for a long time because it takes a special person. Uh, and I'm not just, I'm not just saying that to withstand, you know, the, the microscope that you're under the pressure that comes with that <laughs> job. And I think that's why they wind up, you see a lot of these guys being so close, even after the competition, whether that was Burrow and Haskins and JT Barrett and Cardale and on through the line, like, you know, they know that they've been through something that a lot of people can't relate to. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, I've had, uh, on my podcast, uh, the last couple of months, I've had Kirk Herbstreit on talking about it. You know, I had uh, Joe Germain on talking about it, Gunner Gunner Hope now talking about it. And, uh, you know, the guy who finishes second, I think sometimes has more uh, has more perspective on what it takes to be the guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, and But then they're also humble in some respects because – as, as Gunner pointed out in my interview, you know, you can only play one quarterback. I mean, most people only play one quarterback. Personally, I think that's folly. You might have a guy sitting there. You might have, you know, uh, a guy sitting there who you just give him a few three or four game reps or game uh, situations and suddenly he blossoms, you know. He becomes that leader that he maybe wasn't showing in uh, in preseason camp or, or spring or, or during the summer because suddenly – as uh, Gunner pointed out, you've got the confidence going for you that the coaches believe in you, and then you, that just builds your own confidence uh, out on the field, and it allows you to truly become the leader, <clears throat> you know, because that's what a quarterback is. That's why the quarterback is different from any other position really in sport. Even a starting pitcher in baseball, he may be sort of the leader of the team, but he pitches once every four days, you know. I mean, uh, the great starting pitchers. The quarterback yeah. is the guy that takes the ball every play and uh, runs the offense, all these great plays that somebody has schemed up. And that's the one position, once you settle on a guy, you don't want to mess with, number one, because of your own well-being, your own confidence in that guy, and then yeah. giving him and instilling in him that confidence. But there's always these guys that are in the backup role who have to be ready. You know, and like you are talking about Cardale, you know, he waited his turn you know, almost blew it off, you know, and then uh, suddenly he became a star. But then the next year when he had a chance to really grab the job and run with it, it didn't work out. You know, they end up back with JT Barrett. That's just the way it is. Those are tough conversations for coaches to have with players and tough conversations for players to have with coaches. And yet, like you said, if you're doing it the right way, they still believe in the team aspect, right? Yeah, and that's, you know, this is going to be uh, another one of those major tests for Ryan Day we we talked about it as soon as we left the horseshoe on Saturday it's with one guy playing and the fact that all three of these guys are within you know one calendar year basically of being on campus yeah uh, that's I mean that's a log jam it's inexperienced but it also means that when you make a decision uh, it's going to directly impact those other two guys and that's not going to be that's not going to be fun for anybody no uh, you know I think Ryan Day can feel very uh, good about the options he has. We've said this over and over, and I, I firmly believe it. Ohio State can win the Big Ten and go to the playoff with any of these three guys uh, at quarterback. Now, assuming that they continue to develop the way that they have, at least early on in their careers, I don't think that they're finished products as we sit here on, uh, you know, two days, three days after the spring game. But, you know, 
That's one reason you don't want to rush to a decision because it's only 15 days of McCord and he'll get 30 of them before September 2nd. We'll see, you know, how, what that means for him, but you wind up taking, if you, if you, if he becomes head and shoulders better than the other guys, which I think that that's a tall order because CJ Stroud has had this lead for a long time. Um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, you, know, yep. that, you pick the true freshman, you risk losing the other two guys. And um, that changes things dramatically. Cause if we're just talking about Cardale, uh, you know, that's a pretty famous example, but a national title contender going into a season, potentially if they only had a, one true freshman scholarship quarterback, that's a pretty dicey proposition. So patience is the order there because I think, you know, Ryan day wants to do everything he can to let these guys continue and to have all three of them, available to him to make this push because the offense could be one of the most potent we've ever seen at Ohio state, maybe in the country rivaling what Alabama put together last year. That's the last piece of the puzzle. And you need to have this, uh, the full complement, I think, if you're going to win a title. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I was just pondering as you were talking, I was pondering what would be the better scenario, the one that's going on at like Alabama or Clemson, uh, where they're replacing their starting quarterbacks, Bryce Young at Alabama, yeah. um, every letter in the alphabet guy at uh, Clemson. Um, yeah. I think all the vowels are in there. Um, I'm trying yeah. to remember how to pronounce his name. I've got his name in my mind. But my DJ point is – Yeah. They know who their quarter. They knew their quarterback was as soon as the season was over last year. Right. I think a lot of people assume Ohio State thinks C.J. Stroud's the guy. If that's the case, then Ryan Day is a liar. I don't believe Ryan Day is a liar, but I do believe if they had to take the field tomorrow, that old classic question, you know, which leaves out another three or four months of development, uh, including uh, 29, 29 practices before the season opens, uh, that C.J. Stroud would be the starter. I don't know who the backup would be, though, coming out of the spring. But, you know, then you've got over at Oklahoma, another perennial contender. You know, Rattler is the, is the guy, no, no questions asked. But I'm just right. wondering, like I'm asking you, would you rather be this? Would you rather be coaching a situation like at Clemson or Alabama, where it's pretty much understood by everybody who the guy is, or would you rather have a true competition between guys who were, either were or uh, or still are, or five star prospects, three of them going at it? I mean, which which is the more which is the more preferable uh, uh, situation in your mind? I think if I wanted to sleep better at night, I would want to know who that guy was, give them all the first team rep, reps throughout spring, you know, build that momentum, that chemistry, let them take command of the leadership and the huddle and all of that, and then and then rotate between the twos and try and develop there and build your depth that way. I mean, I think you want to have as much talent as possible. Like, you can't really argue with that, but it does make it more challenging, I think, uh, to – to develop that number one guy. Yeah. Uh, I think if I had the choice, I would want it that clearly defined. And what's interesting to me about it, Tim, is that you talked about, you know, getting them reps and, and maybe they, they show some stuff in games when they get to play fourth quarters or something. And Ohio State didn't have that opportunity really last year. And I wonder if we would really be having this conversation about all three of them if C.J. Stroud had got to throw some passes last year because we saw such a small – glimpse and we know that he was coming in when Justin Fields was hurt and that if it was a postseason situation you know they weren't looking to Jack Miller or Gunnar Hope that CJ Stroud was the guy that they thought 
could win the game for them. Um, you know, if we got to see him throw passes the way that Dwayne Haskins did in the game before his battle, you know, maybe we w- maybe we wouldn't be talking about this being open for all three of them. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, well, that's it's, a hypothetical, it's a hypothetical that doesn't really matter. But the, my point is he had he was earning it in the practice field and what Ohio State was seeing when they were allowed to last fall. And he was the guy that they trusted. Yeah, that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly the point I've been making for four months, just like you have. You know, if you had to line them up, you, got, you line up the way they lined them up last year, right? And uh, and I don't think that's hard to even see. Uh, but the bottom line is I do think it's a, I do think it's a healthy competition. I agree, with you. I agree with you from the sense that you would sleep better at night knowing for sure this is your guy. But, uh, you know, the way Kyle McCord came out of the – He's, he's out of high school four months, and the way he drove the team down the field yeah. several times, yeah, they weren't playing against the best defensive players even Ohio State has got, you know. For But it was he was still throwing the ball on time, on the money for the most part. Like I told Gunner, heck, one of my, my favorite couple of throws he made were these little swing routes to, to backs out of the backfield just right on time, right in stride. I mean, that's just – that's just great quarterback play right there. When you can, uh, when you can hit that pass on a repeated basis, that just shows you, you know, he's got he's got the goods. You know, he also showed me. I, I saw a lot of moxie from him. You know, he was continually uh, uh, slapping hands with the players and stuff, and uh, just talking it up. And they were slapping hands back. I mean, these receivers. <laughs> we talked about that ridiculously after the game on Saturday because it's ridiculous how many able-bodied receivers this team has got at this moment in time. Uh, But they've made these guys look good several times on Saturday, too, including uh, I think it was C.J. Stroud's first deep route when Chris Olave jumped over, what, Demario McCall and pulled that ball in. That was not a great thrown ball, you know, but it was a great catch by maybe the best receiver in the country or or in the running for it. Uh, Garrett Wilson made some great catches, Marvin Harrison Jr., and then Amika Egbuka. I mean, like we've talked about many times, you've got this offensive line that's as deep as it's been since I've been covering Ohio State from a playable depth standpoint. You've got four or five running backs who clearly can play. Travion Henderson get a, didn't get a chance to show his worst. Neither did Mayan Williams. Thud tackling is not showcasing Mayan Williams. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, And then you've got Master Teague the third coming back. you got maybe the best tight end in the country. And you saw Cade Stover make a couple of plays on Saturday, just catching the ball. But he also blocked very well from my perspective uh, the few times I was zeroing in on that. Mm-hmm. You just want somebody to go in there and not screw it up, right? I mean, that's what that's what you're looking – that's what Ryan Day's looking for right now because all three of these quarterback candidates – and I'm going to throw Jagger Leroux in there too because we're going to get into what could happen if, in fact, he did name a number one guy yeah. in a second. But, uh, but all three of these quarterbacks in the primary running – have the goods to get the ball to those guys. It's just who can run the offense without making big mistakes. Yeah, and I think that when you're looking at what this decision will ultimately come down to for Ohio State, it, it's checking a lot of the boxes that you just said, that they're not going to need a, a, a Justin Fields superhero to lead this offense. But that's also – and I don't mean that to, as a backhanded compliment to C.J. Stroud because he's a five-star quarterback. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, and – uh, he's got all the ability and all the tools as well. I'm not trying to shortchange what he can do, but he doesn't need to be the Superman for Ohio State. And so I think when 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 there's an evaluation from the outside, we only and Ryan Day alluded to this, like we get to see one 
real full practice, if that's what you can consider the spring game, right. and then three, the three other viewing periods. So relative to that, I think the, the, the last couple of days, the reason the conversation outside the program has changed is that Kyle McCord vastly exceeded what I think most people would have anticipated from a true freshman. Jack Miller had a rougher day than what you probably would have, what most people would have thought he would do, especially just because he seemed a little rattled by the early pick because he came out, you know, looking like he was ready to throw it around and show, uh, you know, his arm strength. So he, he was a little bit less than what people may have projected to see on Saturday. McCord was better. And Stroud just gave you probably what you thought you were going to see, which was command. And he made a couple throws, but there was nothing that jumped off the page. You talked about the throw to Olave. It was, you know, you want to grade him down that it was slightly underthrown. That's fine. But, you know, he's still going to be throwing to Chris Olave. Well, exactly. That's, well, that's yeah. what Gunnar Hoke and I talked about was that, yeah. you know, what a time to be a quarterback at Ohio State. You put the yeah. ball within this this wide area <laughs> and almost everybody in that receiving room can catch it. I forgot what that's called. Your catch radius. You catch know? radius. Yeah. I mean, uh, that that's I mean, I used to throw the football to this one kid. Way back when I used to write my stories in the uh, at the Woody Hayes Center in the uh, in the janitor's office, uh, we'd go out after everybody's done, after everybody's gone. We he'd turn on the lights in the Woody Hayes, and I'd throw the ball to this kid. And I'd also hold him because he could kick the ball really well. But this guy had like a forty-five inch vertical leap, and he was a he was working in the janitor's office. But it was amazing to throw a ball high over the middle and watch him just jump four feet in the air, you know, <laughs> and catch it. And that's what these guys are. These these quarterbacks are dealing with. They know it, but yeah, it, if if Demario McCall had intercepted that first pass from C.J. Stroud because he could have, yeah. you know, would we be looking at him differently today? I'm talking about C.J. Stroud. You see, that's my point. Yeah. The, the throw to the throw down the left sideline to Garrett Wilson by Jack Miller was. I'm not sure if if uh, Garrett Wilson was supposed to be run down there and do a deep stop or what happened. But Ryan Watts, you know just followed the ball, turned around, looked at it, came right to him, and he intercepted. You know, you don't know really what happened on that play, but it did set the tone for the rest of the day. It set the tone for how you thought about things, especially when the other two quarterbacks went in and led touchdown drives. And that's – you and I both know, Ryan Day, you know, no turnovers, take the team down the field and score touchdowns. Those are the two caveats that he that he leans on, uh, correct? Yes, absolutely. And – and Kyle McCord and C.J. Stroud did that. And I think just to, you know, to tidy that part up, like I think that's why there's just a lot more hype about Kyle McCord right now and his opportunity in this battle. I don't – I'm not saying that it's over. I've been saying that for several weeks. Like, C.J. Stroud is just the leader. The decision has not been made. But I think that doesn't – just because McCord exceeded on Saturday and looked yeah. more comfortable sure. doesn't mean – that it's now a neck and neck battle. Like that's, I, I think that that would be a wrong read on the situation. Would you agree with this? Yeah, I agree with that. Cause that's what Ryan Day is telling us. That's what uh, the coaches are telling us. But the flip side of it is that was a day when there were for the first time, there were 19,000, 20,000 people there. Uh, it's on the big 10 network. Uh, <clears throat> it's game day. You know, it wasn't a real game, but it was game day. And you, I judge guys on how, like I said, when the lights come on, what do they do? You know, and uh, that's why I like – I'm not knocking Jack Miller. I thought Jack Miller actually played pretty well for the most part. Didn't take him to touchdowns. Uh, but I like the way Kyle McCord looked at home, you know, in the shoe. He looked definitely at home in the shoe the way he operated, especially as the game went on. And there's something to be said for that. You know, and like I said about great, great catches, 
you know, we all know, and Jeremy Birmingham pointed it out, but if you're watching, you saw it, uh, you know, after Jackson Smith and Jigba makes that great catch uh, with Cam Martinez literally all over him, Cal uh, uh, McCord goes to the sideline and Ryan Day demonstratively explains to him, you should have thrown it out over here uh, on that little fade route, you, you know, lead him on a fade route, not an inside throw. But hey, good job, you know, it was a touchdown. <laughs> but there were that's what I'm saying about these wide receivers kind of bailing guys out on occasion. But you know what? That's why you go and get Chris o- Olave. You know, nobody else knew how good he was, but Ryan Day figured it out like that. He yeah. goes down and sees Garrett Wilson, goes, gotta have that guy, you know. Uh, you know, Marvin Harrison the Jr., why wouldn't you re- recruit him just based on his name? You know, Mika Buka. Maybe the best player on the West Coast, receiver-wise, for sure. He's at Ohio State right now. You know, just right on down the line. That's why you'll get those guys, put them together with a guy that throws the ball in their vicinity. Boom, you're going places, right? Yeah. And, like, I mean, that's the that's the thing about what we're talking about with this spring game. Uh, if we're going to nitpick, Stroud underthrows the ball to Olave. The ball wasn't placed from McCord to Jackson Smith and Jigba where it needed to be. Well, one was a long game and the other was a touchdown. I mean, yeah. that's – that's the way it works here. Not every throw is going to be perfect. And, and when we're trying to, uh, you know, form some sort of lasting opinion based off of 70 some throws for three guys, like it's really unfair to them. Um, but we don't get to watch all 15 practices. So that's the best we can do. Yeah. And of course we know the, the most memorable throw brought up before by Justin Fields in his first spring game was to what <laughs> Benjamin Victor thrown short, but Victor, Comes back, gets the ball, and scores like what was that? Ninety-five yard touch, ninety-yard touchdown, or whatever it was. And everybody goes gaga, you know what <laughs> I mean? And uh, and boom, Justin Fields, like you said, he parlayed, baby. <laughs> he parlayed probably as better as well as anybody ever has playing the position at a house. Well, and here's the other part: like we talk about the bat, the you know the, the bad day, maybe that the Justin Fields had. Matthew Baldwin had a really good spring game that day. Exactly. Statistically, he was all over it. But we didn't leave saying, well, Matthew Baldwin. And I love Matthew Baldwin. Talk about another guy who's been through the battles. And yep. uh, we'll have to get him on your, your podcast here soon, um, you know, for his perspective and going through that. But he didn't leave spring the next day and think, I'm going to beat out Justin Fields. He was prepared to go transfer and find somewhere else because everybody knew what had happened for the previous 14 practices, even if Ryan Day wanted everyone to stick around. Yeah. Those such those such everybody knows what the true pecking order is, and it's not just where you line up and how many reps you get during the start of practice, but that they do that every day and they do it for a reason. Yeah, Matthew Baldwin left. Gunnar Hoke showed up. You know, they had their depth at quarterback. They moved on. Yep. Uh, made the playoffs the last two years. Made made the champion national championship game last year. They got things going on. They just need to take that one more step up the ladder. Yeah. The, in your mind, C.J. Stroud, just from what you know and what I, what we both are hearing, but from what, we, what we've seen, little we've seen of him, I liked how smooth he was on Saturday. I thought he, he looked like the guy that was the guy. You know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it other than street lingo like that. You know, the yeah. guy looked like the guy. Uh, <laughs> is, he the, is he the person that takes him uh, back to the playoffs and finally to <clears throat> a national championship? This team is loaded on offense. Uh, we're not going to talk about the. We're going to talk about defense next week. I'll I'll get some expert on to talk about that, and you know I'll chop it up because we both left there going, oh my goodness, you know, wow. Uh, talk about needing some help or needing some guys to get healthy quick. Yes. Uh, but 
does C.J. Stroud have the goods to lead them to a national championship? Yeah, it's here's another one of those like uh, in indefinable, you know, that swagger. Um, yeah, I said that to you before, and it, I, I don't know how to quantify that. I just know that teammates respond to him. You know, when you talk to uh, you know the coaching staff or people that have seen more practice than we have, some former players. You know, when current players are talking about you know C.J. Stroud, you can tell that they they look to him as the leader. And I think that you can, you can see that in the glimpses we had, whether it was an open practice and walking to the huddle with Ryan day that we talked about last week, or just, you know, the way that he was commanding that offense on Saturday or, or the handshakes and celebrations that he has, you know, with guys, I, that stuff may seem silly, but your quarterback has to be that leader. And, and one way that Justin Fields did that was like, he loved to be in the locker room and dance. You know, if you have to be comfortable in front of the team, they have to, look to respond to you. And, you know, I know that that's not the only way to evaluate things because that's not the way Tom Brady does it. Uh, and that his way has been proven pretty successful. But I think in my experience covering these college teams, uh, as long as I have, and, and I don't know if you're, you agree with me completely on this, but you tend to look to those guys that, you know, you, you respect them, but you can also, you know, they're going to battle with you. You want to hang around. They want to see you in the locker room, which, by the way, is another stupid part about the Justin Fields conversation. And, oh, yeah. and so it, it's more – that's more about the stuff that, you know, it, it's not going to be the numbers in a spring game or, you know, statistical breakdown. That's – and maybe this sounds crazy or stupid to view it this way, but that's one of the X factors, intangibles, that has to be part of it. If this team is going to, like, go win a national championship, like you said, you're going to have to have that leader that you trust – can do anything and will do anything for you. And that's built up over this time, whether that's extra off the field, whether it's in the locker room or what have you. You know who knows that better than anybody? Do you know who knows that better than anybody? The head coach who was the starting quarterback in New Hampshire, who right. understood what it meant to have that mantle put on you. Yeah, you've got to live up to it, but others are looking at you then to, to rally around. I mean, they you are the leader of the team definitely of the offense, but of the team. You're the one whose picture is going to be in the paper more often. You're the one whose quotes are going to be out there. It's important for a football team to have a starting quarterback. And uh, Ryan Day knows that better than anyone because he was one, you know. And uh, with that said, he understands, but he also understands how big, uh, how big a decision this is because all three of these guys can play. You know, even Jagger LaRoe, oh, my goodness. Transfer. It was a great throw. Dude, I don't know what else is going on, but I always, I just know that if he ever becomes a starting quarterback, I've already got two nicknames for him. They all go together, Mick, Jagger, Meister, LaRoe. You know what I mean? I mean, who's better? There's nobody better than, than that for a nickname situation, but I digress. But the bottom line is uh, uh, Ryan Day knows, you know, the sooner he can make the decision, the better. But like you and I talked about, and let's make this really brief because you can touch on this briefly because I do yeah. want to hit on Justin Fields briefly. But yeah. touch on this briefly. If you were to name C.J. Stroud, for example, the leader, uh, probably maybe even number one coming out of spring, what's likely going to happen? Yeah, the likely outcome of that is that you lose Jack Miller um, because you've got, you know, he's about to be able – everybody's about to be able to. I'm sure that even if you decided right now with the way – the NCAA rule change is about to go in effect. He's going to be eligible to go play anywhere as soon as he wants. And 
I, I, these are always uncomfortable. And, you know, Berman and I get asked about this all the time. Like what player, I'm sure you do too. What players are going to go in the transfer yeah. portal? I don't answer the, I don't answer those questions. It's not nope. fair to those kids uh, and their families uh, with those decisions. And, you know, you know, you don't even know what motivates them to, you know, stay or to, to go or stay. There interrupt, interrupt, interruption. Uh, yeah. Chris Olave came back, you know, uh, Thayer Munford came back. Now, would they be, you know, if they have great years like we expect them to have, would they be drafted as high this year as they're probably going to be drafted next year? Uh, probably not, but they came back. Like you just said, you don't know what people are thinking. Now go ahead. Yeah, and and those situations for the draft are like a little bit easier to, to navigate because, uh, and for the most part, um, these guys are all good enough to have done that. And the flip side of that is I, I don't – I'm not a professional talent evaluator like the coaches. I don't know if they have a family situation. You know, it, it could be any number of things. So I, I have I don't do that uh, and never have because I think it's unfair. But when we're talking about the quarterbacks, I think the likely outcome if you had decided that battle in spring was that Jack Miller, who has ability, I've said that every time, all three yeah, of these guys yeah. are very good. You know, he's he's probably going. And you know, the other one that you if you have if you had named Kyle McCord, um, you probably have – we run the risk. I'll, I won't say probably. You run the risk of losing both of the older guys who have already had a year in the system and developed because you're sending a signal that you're, you're ready to build around this guy and how are you going to supplant that true freshman if Ohio State already believed in him in April, which didn't happen, or so at some point in August. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen that before with programs where that's the decision they make. All right, those guys shut it down to preserve some eligibility and go elsewhere. So, I, I, somebody asked me about this. Uh, so several people did uh, of course. on Twitter, <laughs> and the, if you if it's if it's even or neck and neck, you've got to go with the younger guy and pick McCourt. This is not the NFL, no. okay? You know, you save money, the salary cap, you build for the future in the NFL. In college football, if you pick the true freshman over two guys who've been there for a year. Well, that's it. I mean, you're not probably going to keep those older guys because we're not talking about three stars who might be happy to back up at Ohio State and live their life, you know, you know, hoping for an opportunity. We're talking about a five-star quarterback who won the Elite 11 and a four-star quarterback who who Ryan Day handpicked, you know, for, you know, like an 18-month, 20-month commitment, however long it was. These are – all of these guys can start somewhere. So, yeah, yeah. It, if Kyle McCord is head and shoulders better – Ryan Day will play him in this hypothetical that I've been asked about. If it's even, well, then the older guy needs is going to get the tiebreaker there yeah. because you have to build a roster to win a national championship this year. It's not, well, let's, let's hope two years down the road and then Quinn Ewers comes in. No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. That will not be the scenario that plays out. Yeah. As Gunnar Hoke pointed out, you know, the, you got to think uh, Jack Miller and uh, CJ Stroud at least are farther ahead in the playbook. Uh, yes. assimilation, et cetera, just all kinds of reasons. Number two, you know, this is what I would counsel. Even if I had a kid doing it, I would counsel my son, if I had a son playing quarterback somewhere, uh, give it two years at least where you are. My goodness, we saw what happened in 2014. I was going to say, you know what happens, but, you know, <laughs> stuff happens, you know, and suddenly JT Barrett is the starting quarterback as a redshirt freshman at Ohio State, you know, uh, you know, he was ready to ride the pine again, you know, uh, 
ahead of Cardale, you know, and uh, but behind Braxton Miller. Yeah. Stuff happens, man. And number two, you've invested a lot of time, your own time, et cetera, into at least being in the mix. And uh, number three, the coaching staff has invested a lot of time, effort, and really money, you know, uh, recruiting these guys, et cetera, training these guys to be in the mix. And when you're, if you're told straight to your face, you're in the mix, that's the best thing you can hear as a uh, college player other than you're the starter. And that's why I would counsel, you know, these guys, because like I said, we saw last year, CJ Stroud had to go in for a play or two against Clemson, you know? I mean, not, you know, it's, it can happen in a heartbeat in football. And uh, so that's what I would counsel these guys. But I'm telling you, it's been a while. Maybe this is the best situation ever in a quarterback situation, a quarterback standpoint of just the elite talent that's on hand. And then you got Quinn Ewers coming in the front door (laughs) in less than a year. I mean, it is crazy. Isn't it awesome? Yeah. And, And, you know, it's a cliche, but you know, cliches are true that you have a good problem. It is a problem though, because it's yeah. difficult to manage it. And th- at some point you're not going to see all four of these guys in an Ohio state uniform. That's just, that's just the fact of the matter. It's not, it's not going to happen. It's almost impossible to do if you recruit at that level, but the flip side uh, is that you're not recruiting as good of players. And that's not an option that Ryan day in Ohio state are ever going to take you you recruit the best possible player that you can every single year. You know, I've, I've been part of this and asked coaches about it. Like, don't, do you sometimes think that you should just, you know, recruit a backup that you know that you're going to have for five years and provide some security? Well, that's really not the kind of guy you want in your locker room who's not competitive or not, doesn't think that he can win the job or signed up for that sole reason. Like sometimes you look at Chris Chuganoff or Gunnar Hoke you know, they've had three years where they really gave it all they had. And, and Gunnar, you talked about him. He still believed he could win the job and had that confidence, which is a good thing. But, you know, like Chuganoff was happy to do that. You can find a backup later on. You don't recruit. You don't avoid a five-star or four-star or two in the same class because you, you hope that you have a backup at some point. Now, it is you, you called it a juggling act, I think, earlier on. It, it's, or it's a high-wire Melinda act, what you said. Yeah. Uh, Linda, Walinda act. Walinda. Yeah, sorry, got uh, ahead of myself, but I think it might, there might have been a Melinda Walenda, but go ahead. <laughs> but you know that that is what roster building is going to be like across college football. Oh yeah, let alone at quarterback, where there's only the one guy, and we're going to be having these conversations a lot. Um, but you start from a much better position when you're recruiting the best players in the country, uh, and you'll worry about the backup situation later. Because look. Hey, the other guy that you've talked about a lot made that hell of a throw on Saturday, Jagger LaRoe. Sometimes you wind up with those graduate transfers and or walk-ons who are capable of doing that. And and that'll make it even easier maybe to make a, a decision and, and yeah. that whichever one you think is the best for the Buckeyes. Well, like you said, if it comes down to one guy leaving among those that top three, when you throw in Jagger LaRoe, now you've got – I think you've got three, three – you know, you still got three guys that can play quarterback at Ohio State. Whether all three of these guys – all three or four of those guys could take you to the national championship. Clearly, that remains to be seen. But yeah, uh, yeah it it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing the talent on hand. I mean, I just because uh, uh, I've been covering this team a long time, my man, even before you were born, I think. And uh, <laughs> it's just amazing 
the talent they've got on the offensive side of the ball at this moment. You know what? I'm kind of like coming down. I'm bringing it down a little bit because uh, here's the thing. I don't want to get into another chop it up about Justin Fields. I, yeah. I, we did we did sort of te- I did sort of tease that early in this podcast. But just the bottom line is, um, you know, in 20 seconds, and you keep it shorter than that if you want to. I think the BS has now gone out the window, hasn't it? I mean, what what's your what's your take? In my, in my opinion, for example, if the worst thing that happens to Justin Fields is San Francisco drafts him. They were in the Super Bowl two years ago. Are you kidding me? You know, that is not as bad as the other two teams ahead of them that we that we were talking about possibly being interested in a quarterback. We know Jacksonville is going to take Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is already giving, already pledged, you know, uh, contributions to Jacksonville charities. I mean, that cat's out of the bag, you know. Uh, you know, who are the New York Jets going to take, you know? Uh, you know, Zach Wilson, I mean, you know, okay, good for you. Is that not getting Sam Darnold again? You know, I'm not, you know, that's, I don't get it. I would rather have Sam Darnold to be, to be completely yeah. honest. Yeah, exactly. But then number three, if, if Justin, for example, falls to uh, San Francisco, which was in the, the Super Bowl two years ago, or even to Atlanta, if Atlanta wants to draft him as their next, as their man in waiting, those are better options for Justin Fields down the road, except from a prestige factor. And uh, I just like the way these, these leaks and everything just kind of, have just uh, is almost slander about Justin Fields at one point a couple of weeks ago. Oh no, it was slander in my opinion, based on what we know of Justin Fields. Now that's all been taken care of. Uh, do you do you agree that the the smoke is gone? Yeah, and I I think there's less reason for it because San Francisco went and got another look, and they sent the head coach in. Um, yep. And I said I've said this before, and I I, I mean it like. Mac Jones had a great collection of talent. Um, he's a he's a very good quarterback. He can make the throws that you need. But when you watch the two side by side, which San Francisco's now Kyle Shanahan's had uh, a chance to do this, um, they, they don't they're not playing the same sport. I mean, Justin Fields is a freak athlete, and San Francisco. You talked about them being in the Super Bowl. I mean, they're they're they still have the personnel to get right back there again. Yep. As long as we have this, uh, the right guy at quarterback, falling to three could be the best thing that ever happened to Justin Fields. And Mel Kuyper put out his mock draft, his latest one last week. And, uh, you know, Pete Nakos, our, our young guy helping out, wrote a story about that uh, on Monday. His, his, Mel Kuyper's comments where he had Justin Fields as the fifth quarterback taken, which I think is insane, but that New England was trading up to take him at 10 in this mock draft. That's another, like, dream scenario. If the, if the rest of the NFL is so stupid that they give Bill Belichick Justin Fields for almost nothing, then they deserve to let him keep adding Lombardi trophies. I think, they, yeah, yeah it, I agree. You know, I think it's an, it, it could be an unprecedented draft, I do believe, if, if, if quarterbacks go – you know, I saw one, one mock draft, and they're all mock is a great word for them, that had <laughs> quarterbacks going in the first four picks. I think that would be unprecedented. That's crazy when you think about it. That's – Best team staking their future, you know, right there, right in your, right in front of you. But you're right. I mean, the the lower you go, usually the better off you are as a quarterback because you're going to a better team and maybe going to a situation where you don't have to play immediately and you can learn the the, the ins and outs of the pro game. But real quick, yeah, Kyle Shanahan had to be watching Justin Fields this past week when he had his second pro day. Uh, because he watched Mac Jones live a week and a half earlier, you know, the same day that Ohio State had his first pro day. And uh, 
and he had to be going, you know, Mac, because Mac, Mac Jones was not great that day, in my opinion. I watched the whole thing too. But, but what Justin Fields can do is he can throw every pass that Mac Jones can throw. And he's probably just as accurate. But what he can do that Mac Jones can't is he runs a 4 4 40. But as we well know, some of the knock on Justin Fields that's really blown me away was, you know, the fact that he didn't go through his reads, you know, whatever. And what were we knocking him about uh, the last two years occasionally was he stood in there too long. You know, he held the ball too long waiting for something almost perfect to happen because he was going through his reads. And uh, that's not a guy whose first thought is run, you know. No. That's a guy whose first thought is gun, throw the ball. And uh, that's the guy I want running my offense, a guy that when all else breaks down, then can run with 4-4 speed. You know, that's that to me is the ideal prototype of the modern football quarterback. What do you think? I think that there's only like one place in the world where this information could have been coming from, where they might have had one experience or one year that didn't go the way they wanted. And yeah, maybe then they thought he was a run first guy. Cause I remember when he, when Justin Fields arrived at Ohio state, the, all the people saying, well, good luck, put him in that offense. And, and he's, you know, run first, uh, dual threat, you know, trying to slap that tag on him. Yeah. And I just, it's, it's very interesting because. Well, here's no the thing. School, they grow peaches there. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's within an hour's drive of Augusta, which you and I would both like to live, you know, you know, possibly be in proximity. Go ahead. Yeah. It, I mean, no high school. You've, you've had his high school coach on your podcast. Yeah. No, no high school teammate, no high school coach, no Ohio state teammate, no Ohio state coach, no Ohio state strength coach, no Ohio state media member who's been around him. Um, players. Nope. No teammates, no former players. Nobody has ever said anything other than this is the most talented yeah, quarterback we've ever seen. This is a, he's an incredibly hard worker. He's a leader. Um, yeah. So I know that information that these these scouts and general managers are getting didn't come from high school, didn't come from Ohio State. So you know, why are we giving any attention to something that may have come from um, I don't know a place with peaches that might have had an axe to grind because they didn't wind up having a Heisman Trophy candidate leading a very talented roster that continually underachieves? Why would you listen to that? It, it's clear that, that what their motivation would be. Why wasn't basketball invented in Georgia with all those peach baskets sitting around? That's what I want to know. Hey, that's the question I'm pondering now. You're exactly right. Awesome. I mean, I've, I've been seeing this a million times. A San Diego, uh, San Diego Union uh, sports writer wrote a story about the injustice that Justin Fields went through over the last month in the pro in this process, and I agree with them 100. percent This was disinformation put out. Uh, specifically, either to harm him or to help for a to help a team that would like to draft him. Either right. way you put it, it's it was so unfounded. But then for it to be, uh, uh, then for it to be fed to everybody via the mass media. You know what's that old line? Trust but verify. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, you know when he came to the Russians in the you know in the Cold War. I mean that's the bottom line, and uh, it's just it's just. But it's too bad because you see it happen every year to somebody, yeah. right? Even if, even if the first source is your mother, get a second, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you never know what a guy's going to be like when he gets to the NFL. That's the bottom line. That's true. Hey, all, I mean, these guys are, all these guys who are evaluating these guys have no clue what it's going to be like. You know, Washington got Dwayne Haskins Jr., thought they got the guy they wanted. 
you know, then they went through all their changes in the coaching staff and, and the personnel department and everything else. And then all of a sudden he didn't, he wasn't what they wanted. You know, there were reasons they came up with for why he wasn't what they wanted. But the bottom line is they had all that time to, to, uh, to evaluate him. We, we, you and I both know he was a joy to deal with when he was at Ohio state. Looked like he put in the work because he had wide open receivers when he was at Ohio state. <laughs> right. And uh, going back to the receiver corpse, right. as they say, uh, as a buddy of mine calls it, the corpse. Uh, but the bottom, there's nothing corpse about this receiver core. It's alive and well and kicking. But I digress. But the, yeah, you never know what they're going to do when they get the NFL and the team they're saddled with. That's the thing. And uh, but don't go denigrating a guy unjustifiably. That's 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 the sermon for today. Uh, get, can I have an amen? Amen. And hey, what, guess guess what else? We talked about Dwayne Haskins being a great like successor to Ben Roethlisberger when he was coming out. Yeah. Maybe now he's in that situation. Yeah. You know, who knows? And that's the part. Like, ask Aaron Rodgers how he feels now about sliding in the draft. Helped his, the chip on his shoulder, and he got to do the thing that you talked about with developing and, and then taking over a team that was already talented. Yep. If that happens for Justin Fields, I mean, look out. Again, nothing is guaranteed, but if he gets to wait and he gets to go to a team that's already uh, established with talent or goes to a coach – uh, I mean, if like I said, if New England gets him, I'm sorry, NFL, you you did this to yourself. Yeah, but I, like, like right now, right now, I know Tom Brady just won his 400th Super Bowl, you know, <laughs> and he beat Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes to do it. But right now, if I'm a if I'm a pro football coach, I'm trending more toward wanting to draft a guy who has some of the capabilities of Patrick Mahomes than I am Tom Brady because that that age, Tom Brady is special in all kinds of ways about the way he gets his job done. But that age is going by the wayside very fast. In fact, it probably already has. I don't know if you agree or not, but I don't care. Do you agree, though? Do you agree? Well, yeah. I mean, I, if you're asking me if I'd rather build around Mahomes or Brady right now, yeah, I'm definitely going the Mahomes route. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get out of here. Uh, awesome. Uh, my co-pilot, my able co-pilot, I, I let him sort of land the plane just then. I don't know if you noticed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but I had my hands – I had my hands on the wheel just in case. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, that's the end of another Tim May podcast. I want to thank uh, Awesome War as usual. And Gunnar Hoke, you know, former Ohio State backup quarterback, now out in the world trying to make a living. Uh, who knows, he may be a coach one of these days. I really enjoyed my conversation with him about what goes on in the quarterback room, in the evaluation process of quarterbacks at Ohio State under Ryan Day and Corey Dennis, the quarterback coach, and Kevin Wilson, the offensive coordinator. But we'll be back next week. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Ohio State defense, what we saw in the spring, but more of what we see coming down the road. And there actually may be people coming down the road, right, Awesome? Well, that's a, that is a world-class tease right there. Yeah. But until then – this is Tim May for Awesome Ward. We'll see you then. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.